I'm just a boy from Kansas out to save the world from chronic disease. And I truly mean that. Nobody is in control of your health but you. I can't heal you. Your doctor can't heal you. You have to heal you. And it's all about having the education empowerment to know what you need to be changing within yourself, within your life, to set your soul free and accomplish that best life that we all like to talk about. And I truly believe that the greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it. I'm Brendan Vermeyer, the original Holistic Savage. Welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast. Boom, it's time. Man, I love this microphone. So my friend, my good friend, John Parker, one of my best bros, welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast, where we're about all things functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology. And at the end of the day, it's all about this, this thing behind me. Grace most involves teach people how not to need it. So for all of those in attendance, my very good friend, John Parker, what is up, homie? Hey, Brendan, I've been looking forward to this since we scheduled it. So I'm grateful to be here as always. And you're one of my brothers, uh, like you said in the beginning. So I'm always interested in what you have to say about things that I know, things that I don't know. And it's an honor, just like any other time I talk to you. Yeah, dude, I appreciate that. This is going to be a this can be a fun episode, I can tell, because, you know, um, Gosh, there's so many. So I always like to like briefly kind of how do I know the person I'm talking to? Um, and, you know, for, for those that end up listening to this episode, JP is one of my really good friends, one of my brothers. And, um, you know, we're both these kind of hybrid FDN slash fitness professional. Um, and I don't think there's enough of these majestical hybrids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What an egotistical way to start the conversation. But um, JP, if if someone was to approach you at, let's say, Paleo FX, and I can basically, I'm imagining <laughs> when we were at Paleo this year. So somebody walks up to you at Paleo FX and they're like, yo, bro, who are you? What are you all about? How would you answer that, my man? Yeah, so super interesting question. Um, that's always the typical question that people ask, right? Like they say, what do you do? But you put a little spin on it. Um, I actually like to ask people what they're passionate about just to, because I don't really care what they do necessarily for their work, but I want to know what they are about. So that's a really good question. So, you know, my job is my passion. I'm, I'm super lucky with that. I basically have been lifting weights since 14 years old and I'm, I just turned 34. So that's about 20 years now, gym experience, and it never ceases to surprise me, but in each training session, whether it's with me or one of my clients, I am learning more about my mind and my body, which to me is just beautiful that you can create this connection between those two things and realize that they're actually inseparable. But when people ask me that question, uh, invariably, we do talk about uh, the profession. So I always tell people I'm a personal trainer. Um, I used to be a little bit hoity-toity about that and be like, no, I'm a strength coach, whatever. But people understand personal trainer. But I always say I'm a personal trainer and health coach. And they say, oh, what is that about? I say, well, I mean, it's about program design, about fixing biomechanical issues that may be affecting the client or individual. But the health coaching is really where it's at. And I tell these people, I care more about seeing what hormone status is, what's going on with the gut, the stress, the lifestyle, 
the relationships more so than just program design, because pretty much anyone can go online and find a workout program, and that may or may not serve them. Now, the exercise is going to be dictated by what else is going on in this person's lifestyle. So I've had clients in the past who I made the mistake of giving them a very difficult exercise program. And let's say they're a father of three newborns, and they're doing this stuff. And then we get them to check some recovery, and their recovery is awful. And I'm like, you know what? It's not your fault that you're getting injured. It's absolutely my fault. Mm-hmm. So I care about the person. Um, I'm passionate about myself and my own training, and that leads me to be a very good coach with other people to see what's going on, whether it's physically, whether it's with their nutrition or their gut status, like we talked about, or with their spirituality. And I'm not claiming to be any sort of guru. I just have my own experience um, in my own breathwork practice, and I'm a practicing Buddhist, and I find that um, very serving to me, and it can be very serving to others, too, without hiding behind this backdrop of it being a religion. So really, I care about people because I care about myself and I help myself first so I can help other people um, better and be fully there for them. So presence is key. Absolutely. You know, and all that stuff's really cool. It's funny how, um, I don't know, in in our industry, uh, there's a lot of emphasis kind of placed on you've got to have like your super specific niche and you know when someone walks up to you you can just rattle off like two sentences and it and in what it's supposed to summarize the essence and aura of my you know divine soul like how could i possibly begin you know to do that and and so you know i think to to really articulate the essence of who you are you know you need a podcast like this where we can just like let's hash some stuff out um, cause we just live in such a, a world of, you know, these glancing interactions and kind of surface level, um, you know, conversations, uh, and, and that's, I mean, I get it for marketing, you know, for marketing, everybody's busy. So yeah, you kind of, for, for the sake of marketing and just quickly reaching people, but then this is, you know, you got to pull men of like the more, what, what lies beneath the surface, let's get to the source. Um, but yeah, so it's really cool. You know, you and I connected through, uh, the, the FDN community, obviously. And, um, you know, I'm like, Oh, who's it? I don't even remember how long ago this was, but it's like, who's this guy? Like, he's also a fitness dude turned FDN dude turned just holistic gangster dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, and then here we are, but, um, we had that conversation on the FDN real results show, which obviously I'm the host of, and we, we got into this really awesome conversation. I'm sure we'll continue today, but as your, um, kind of cliff notes synopsis, you know, speaks to, um, obviously we can kind of zoom out and really look at this whole holistic health. And so that's where like with my podcast, with the four pillars of, you know, functional fitness, functional medicine, functional psychology, and functional spirituality, you literally embody and practice all of those, you know? So I'd love to hear, like, with your clients, you obviously like to do a lot more than fitness. You know, you're doing uh, the fitness program design, but you're also doing a lot of that more, it sounds like you're incorporating a lot more kind of the psychological and kind of spiritual cultivation or maybe just holding a space for others to cultivate their magic. I'd love to hear you speak to that of how you like to bring that style 
with the way you like to live into your personal practice? Yeah, it's a really nice question um, to actually answer. So I've always wanted to give clients what they need. And a lot of times people hire me for the exercise purpose alone, um, because that's something that I can easily deliver to them, you know, giving them a package and showing up and 60 minute sessions, whatever. But I like to start each one of these sessions with just a really simple catch up, asking them, how are you doing? And not in a way like, Brendan, how are you doing? You know, you're like, I'm fine. How are you? I don't like that. I like to say, how are you doing? Actually talk to someone. And if I can see anything on their face, I'm going to ask them about it. I'm like, no, no, no. Tell me a little bit more about that. Why did you say that? Why, why does it look like your eyes are a little bit swollen? Were you crying? Seeing what's going on before we get into the training, because something like movement, I hold very valuable to me. And it's really a way that I connect with myself and with the earth. Even, um, again, that, that mind body connection is very important. So talking to people and giving them my services. Yes, we're going to do the health coaching, the lab testing. We're going to do the exercise. We're going to do all this. But really what I'm disguising my services as is someone to be there fully present. And if we can heal some trauma or have someone recognize what's going on in their life that is holding them back from being their greatest self, that's what I want to get to um, as quickly as possible. Because once they realize that, you can see that every single door and the universe opens to you. You can do whatever you want. But if there are these things that are holding you back, whether it's bad relationships, poor relationship with food, or could be just lack of sleep and a poor lifestyle, if you can fix that stuff, if you can get to the bottom of that through presence, through good coaching, and through listening, actually being present, I think that that makes me the best coach and I can absolutely be because I'm giving you more than you even paid for. I mean, you're paying for a service and I'm giving you much more of that. So actually realize who you are. So I hope that answers the question. And yeah, totally. Well, and, and that's the thing you, you can't just be a personal trainer anymore is, is ultimately what I, what I, maybe I've decided, or at least I'm saying right now on the air, therefore it must be <laughs> something. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I like hearing all that because, like, for me, I know uh, what year is it? You know, it was about a year, um, creeping up on two years ago that I completely cut all fitness services because, as you said, you know, the dilemma I ran into was um, at that point in my life, it felt like okay, I still have all these people coming to me for fitness, and then I have to then turn and educate them of like. Well, yeah, but it's not just fitness. Actually, you need to do 10 lab tests. And of course, I'm being, um, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But nonetheless, I went as far as like, I got to cut all fitness services to kind of narrow the options and anyways. But then you start running into this of like, well, hang on a second. It's not just the functional healing either. You know, there's the spiritual, the psycho-emotional, which I mean, ultimately, this conundrum is kind of what led to the manifestation of this podcast of like, we just need to start talking about how it really is. Because as you know, as we all know, well, a lot of us know, uh, when a lot of people think, hmm, I'm not happy, I don't feel very healthy, I want to work on that. Yeah, fitness is kind of the first thing I think people turn to. Obviously, our society is very kind of programmed to, you know, think of, okay, I got to lose weight, get healthier, because losing weight and getting healthier is obviously the same thing. Uh, and then that will fill the void that I'm feeling in my soul. 
and then I'll have a better life. I'd love to hear you speak to how maybe that's not the right paradigm and how we can reframe that to actually start chasing our best life that we love to talk about, but who's actually taking steps towards. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that's a really good thought. And it, it's funny, I, I thought about cutting my fitness services as, as well in the beginning. But, you know, just being in the industry for 10 going on 11 years, um, I had a really good foothold and realized, hey, maybe I could actually implement more of this functional health lifestyle into the fitness. And, you know, we're our own first guinea pigs when we become FDNs. And I got to that point where, I mean, I was crashed and burnt because for me, uh, I do value movement a lot. It's been something I've done um, since I was a little kid. I've never had an issue with weight. I've always had low body fat, looked really good. But my issue came more in this mindset of addiction. Mm-hmm. And I just know for myself, there are certain things that I have to avoid. I just have that personality that's all or nothing. And it existed for me. I found my happiness with exercise and working out. And I kid you not, I mean, this went on for five, six years. I would do two workouts a day. They were hard workouts. And sure, I looked great. But over time, my energy started failing me. And I was not as motivated. This happened right around 30, 31, so three, four years ago. And I've, I've had to dig myself out of this hole. But with a lot of questioning and with a lot of work on myself and my mindset, I was wondering, what am I covering up by spending this much time in the gym? Because surely there is a better way. And I approached my health with this all or nothing attitude. And ultimately, it led me to a state of being not healthy. Mm -hmm. So just realizing this, I see and have a lot of compassion for other people because the same mindset, this all or nothing mindset leads them to making poor poor decisions with their nutrition. Uh, Even with their scheduling, people like to brag that they're a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I personally am not a workaholic. I do not want to be at work all the time. I want to have my afternoons free so I can pursue more of my artistic um, side of my goals. Uh, Just a simple um, answer right there. But I see a lot of people in our culture. Yes, I think movement is, is super important. It's necessary. We all need to move. We all need to exercise, but a lot of people fall into this all or nothing trap like I did. And it can be in regard to any of the things that we coach in FDN, whether it's diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation. Sure, you can rest too much. You can be totally lazy. You can try and supplement out uh, a poor diet or poor lifestyle. It's not going to work. There has to be this grand equilibrium. And I found a lot of my personal truth through my spiritual practice and this idea of walking the middle path. Mm. and. It's something I knew about from the very, very beginning of studying uh, Buddhism right around my mid-20s. But man, I did everything I absolutely could to avoid being in the middle. I made every excuse in the book. And what it requires me to do is be absolutely present with anything that I have going on, whether it's work, whether it's my workouts, my nutrition, just knowing, okay, I can eat this food. It's not going to affect me in the long term. Or I am very balanced. Um with my vacations, I need those times for myself just so I can catch up. So I think I approach my own lifestyle and my training with clients with this middle path, with this presence of just realizing the negative and the positive outcomes of every single decision that I make or that my clients make. And no, it is not easy. And I tell all my clients, no, this isn't easy. Like if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. 
what you're actually gaining is so much more by having this mindfulness approaching your lifestyle. And for me, that has brought me a lot of success. Um, but again, with this middle path, I'm not holding on to the success like, wow, I did it. I'm done forever. I'm going to mm -hmm. be good from here on out. Things constantly change. Flux is normality. Mm -hmm. We have to, to realize that things are going to change. They're going to change every single day. And we need to be comfortable being present, being right in the middle and not trying to control these outcomes so much. I think we would be a lot happier as a nation and as a world if we could just cultivate that presence. Damn, son, need to need to drop this microphone hot quick. You said some pretty profound things in there. Flux is normality, and uh, there was something else that I was like, "Oh, remember that?" And then, of course, it kind of slipped away, and I'll have to watch the recording. But you you said some pretty powerful things there, and and I think uh, I mean I really couldn't agree more. It's kind of the duality of existence where there's, you know, shadow and light to every situation. Um, and I like what you're saying about walking the middle path. And, you know, one thing I think, too, um, everybody has their things that they, you know, commit their time, their energy, their attention uh, to. And I think in a way, a lot of times the, you know, health and fitness path very much leads you directly ultimately right to a mirror is kind of what happens you're you're pursuing um ha how I'm I want to try to articulate this more concisely than I normally would cuz you know as I was hearing you talk and then even just reflecting on my own journey and and our journeys have a lot of parallels to them um it's like okay pursuing fitness and as you asked yourself okay what am i covering up by working out twice a day every day like is that really necessary uh and of course we love to use uh fitness talk and fitness science or health science to try to rationalize and justify you know humans will do anything to avoid looking within and to avoid looking into those those traumas those fears looking inwards because uh, that's that's where the real struggle is. Like you think doing a hard workout is hard, or you know, sticking to eating real food from the earth. Like, oh, that's so hard. No, looking within and facing those fears and those demons, those insecurities. What are the stories that we're telling ourselves? What are our innermost truths? The process of unlearning and shedding all of the faulty belief systems that have been programmed into us. Uh, and so that's why I love hearing you you say as you're walking this path and then you're able to best serve your clients of like, hey, what are we really here to do? Because, um, well, what brings you in today, Sally Sue? Oh, you want to lose 50 pounds. Okay, great. We can do that. We'll just work out three times a week, every week for three months, uh, go and get you signed up, contract, all that. But why are you really here? You know? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting thoughts. So with your... Um, programming and spiritual, uh, you know, certainly I think that it's, it's a hard thing to set clients up with because again, it's like, well, they come to you for one thing. So how do you, you know, and also there's something to be said for you have to like, you know, respect people's boundaries and layers and uh, you can't be like over direct. No, I'm just going to knock down bulldoze through your 10 walls that you didn't even know that you put up between us. So certainly you have to develop that like rapport and friendship and kind of work on crawling over those walls too. Yeah. 
Yeah, you really do. Um, I've said Buddhism several times. Uh, like I said, it served yeah. me um, in a million different ways. I grew up Christian, um, mm. but I found that that wasn't really the highest truth or, or calling for me. And, you know, with the spiritual practice, people are put up a lot of walls against that. And for many reasons, I mean, we have violence coming from religion. We have, you know, fundamentalism coming from it. And I hate to see that stuff happen, but you know, with my spiritual beliefs, you can relay these lessons. And even with Christianity and the teachings of Jesus, you can relay these lessons without being dogmatic about them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for certain people because man, people do have a lot of layers. They have a lot of walls built up. They live inside certain containers and, being an effective coach, I think it's so funny because everyone knows that a personal trainer isn't really a personal trainer. They're really just a psychologist. And <laughs> anyone who's been in the gym or had a trainer knows that your clients pretty much tell you everything because they can trust you. You work for them. They can trust you. And it's also a funny job because although someone's paying you, you're the boss. Like I'm the boss with my mm -hmm. clients and they all listen to me. It doesn't matter how successful they've been. So I think you do need to be sensitive to what's going on with people, um, seeing what walls they put up. And it's not about me trying to break down those walls necessarily. It's more about, hey, this has served me and many people. Like, where do you self see yourself fitting into this? Is this something that you can overcome by yourself? So really getting to someone, getting to have someone ask these questions to themselves instead of me having to facilitate something. I think that's a mark of a really good coach. Again, to heal some of these traumas or recognize what's going on in their life, you know, the triggers that are causing them to drink too much or smoke too much or the work environment that's causing them a lot of distress in their life. Like asking these questions, being present with them enough to have them be able to trust you and trust your intentions. And none of this happens if the person asking those questions, me as the coach or uh, you, you as the health coach, it's we have to trust ourselves and adhere to that process first. I've always been a really big fan of walking the walk. And mm -hmm. my mentor and early coach, Paul Check, he always talked about that stuff. And you see this guy today, he's like 56 or 57, totally strong, totally ripped, sticks to his nutrition and lifestyle. He never takes a day off because he knows this is the right way to do it. So I know if I'm not doing that, then I'm not going to be an effective coach because how can people buy into a system or a program where, you know, their doctor's obese and telling them not to eat mm -hmm. sugar or they, they don't practice what they preach. So I guess in closing with that thought, I mean, there are a lot of containers that people put on themselves and we can easily have them be mindful of these decisions and thoughts that they're making in order for them to realize that for themselves that they need to change or they can change in the first place. Mm -hmm. I love everything you just said, because, you know, I think it, what's interesting, like at the end of the day, um, it's not just like within our, our work as, you know, health coaches, fitness coaches, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is just kind of a, you know, human phenomena where we're all just kind of mirrors walking around and, you know, we observe ourselves through the mirror of the other person. And, you know, when we encounter somebody else, uh, you know, it's like you can't recognize in somebody else what you don't recognize within yourself. Otherwise, how would you have been able to, and that's something I kind of learned from a friend that just rocked my world. And I was like, huh, well, it makes a lot of sense when you say that. But then it, 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 the, the pursuit of enlightenment or the, the pursuit of a notion, a chosen perceived 
notion of understanding can get kind of trippy because then if if you don't keep checking that ego, and this is something people don't think about, it's it's a practice. You know, it's a spiritual practice. You don't just it's like getting in shape. You don't get in shape over the course of three to four months. And then it's like, well, now I'm in shape. So I'm going to stop working out and I'm just going to stay in shape forever. No, you know, if you don't consistently practice and and use it, you'll, you'll lose it obviously. And I don't think people think about life in that manner or, you know, whether it's spirituality or just they're reading a self-improvement book and a self-help book. Um, But that's kind of thing as you're talking about, we can't egotistically assume like, well, I'm obviously doing something right. So allow me to subjugate you to my domestication because I'm right. You're wrong. That's why you're in the position you're in. I'm the position I'm in and you need to start doing things my way. And you spoke to that, you know, eloquently and subtly where it's like, no, we, we need to listen. We need to create that safe space, ask those open-ended questions while all the while we're just being a mirror for them to observe themselves in. But the difference is we're creating that safe space for themselves to be able to observe themselves without judgment. Whereas if they go try to go home and stare at themselves in the mirror and, and do that, I don't know. They might, they might not be able to as well. And the self-sabotage comes in because they don't have that unconditional love from somebody that only wants the best for them. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more, Brendan. Um, there's so many ways that we can cultivate this self-love, but you're right. A lot of people can't stand to look at themselves in the mirror, and they do need some sort of practice. Um, one thing that I thought about with meditation in particular, when encouraging meditation to people, like it's not an easy practice. But again, it's a practice. Like You sit on the mat because you sit on the mat. That's when you practice. And even with a 20 minute, you know, breathing seated meditation, you may get three good minutes in and then the rest is just thoughts coming in from all sides. And, you know, some capture, some pass by, you may get three good minutes. But the important thing is that you sit your butt on the mat or the couch or whatever, and you actually sit down to do it. So many people in my life, including myself, would say that meditation doesn't work for me. Thoughts just come to me and I can't get rid of them. And it's like, well, dude, duh, that's that's everybody. It's not just you. So don't think it's so exclusive to your mindset. It is about the practice. It is about setting aside 20 minutes every day to do it. And guess what? The Buddhists always say, oh, if you're too busy to to meditate for 20 minutes, then you need to meditate for 60 minutes, right? Yes. have, Have to do it. And while you were talking, I was thinking about a couple other things, you know, in, I live in Southern California. I'm pretty much born and raised here. Uh, it's my home. And we have a lot of kind of new age type people, people who are really into stones and spirituality and astrology, whatever, you know, as long as things like this don't hurt people, I'm all for them. You can do what you want to do. There may be some validity. Maybe it's been proven, maybe it hasn't been proven, but good on you for doing something for other people. But one thing that kind of drives me wild is you have this spiritual bypassing that happens a lot. And a lot of these coaches that show up on the scene and they charge these crazy rates and people Mm -hmm. pay them, you know, $10,000 for the spiritual and business coaching. But it kind of grinds my gears because I've seen it all too many times. Someone will go to a festival They'll do a hefty dose of psychedelic drugs and think that they have arrived. 
And this arrival is this awakening, so to speak. And I would say that's much different from enlightenment because, I mean, maybe some people have been enlightened throughout history, but it's few and far between, and it's a huge practice. But the spiritual bypassing, we have to be very careful. Um, People thinking they know the answers and they become these gurus. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's serving for some people, but I don't think it necessarily is for most because you have to do the work on your own. You can't trust someone to say, hey, you're ready, or hey, this is how you get there. You go to the shamanic practice, you take ayahuasca, and you're going to be there. I say no. I've done my fair share of psychedelics. It's been a huge part of my healing for myself and my coaching and my groundedness. But I realize now you do these trips, uh, you put your mind on turbo drive, but Mm -hmm. the real growing, the growth happens from your practice after that. Because guess what? You may have the time of your life while you're on a psychedelic trip or a spirit quest or whatever. But it's all about coming back to the real world where all of us live and practicing there. Mm. And tasking yourself with that is not easy. I have just noticed in myself, and I'm very proud of myself for for being more grounded, for not needing to speak above someone else, to actually listen to them and hear what they're saying, not just thinking about what I'm going to say next. That is not mindfulness. I mean, truly mm-hmm. and allowing someone to share with you is about you listening and receiving it with an open heart. And Brendan, that is not easy. It's not easy for someone to share. It's not easy for a practitioner to listen to that person or offer advice after that or simply just to hear them. But that is the practice. I see that as the beautiful side of life and spirituality. And honestly, man, I I feel pretty good about exercise, nutrition, all that stuff. But my true growth helps comes from me helping other people and that is the pathway for me to get there hmm some good stuff there you know i'm glad that you mentioned the uh the listening part because literally that's literally something i you know uh, am always working on more and more it's so easy to we're stuck up in our little monkey minds and the gears start spinning at a million miles per hour and it's like oh i gotta you know and it's like no you don't gotta you just stop breathe, allow it, you know, we're, we're so not in control and we love to grip so tightly, which I think is where a lot of the suffering comes from is this, this reluctance to surrender to the source, you know, and that sounds pretty out there, woo woo, but I mean, fill in the blank, God, universe, like whatever the source is for you, whatever that means for you, uh, but kind of let go of the, the notion of control because you never had it anyways. Um, and I like what you're saying too about the, you know, the psychedelics and all that. I haven't done as much as maybe I, I would have liked to by this point in my life. And I'm, I'm very open to all that because I do think if you can kind of tap into whatever. But the whole thing is, as you said, well, we live here, not up here. You know, this is our reality. And I think sometimes people sort of justify and rationalize uh, you know, self-medicate, uh, yeah, self-medication really. Um, and it's like, isn't the goal to be able to tap into that, that kind of fifth dimension of unconditional love, you know, through being present. I have this book in my room and it says something about, you know, uh, obtaining the life that you desire by being present to the life that you have. And I love everything you're saying about the the Buddhism and, and spirituality because it, it's very in alignment. 
And so the other day I was watching um, my favorite childhood memory uh, movie, which was The Last Samurai with Tom mm-hmm. Cruise. You know this movie? I sure do. <laughs> so as a kid, you know, I was, I was a little martial arts dude growing up. And it's funny, I've been reflecting a lot on this lately because I'm like, Brennan, you've kind of lost touch with your roots. And I got this picture from my mom and I'm this weird little gremlin character with, you know, and I'm not even in a Halloween outfit. This is Brennan <laughs> just being Brennan. I'm wearing, you know, goggles by a campfire. I'm just this little creature, you know? I'm like, what happened to that little creature? And he's like, oh, actually, I'm... I'm still that little creature. I grew up, you know, with martial arts and karate and and all this stuff. And I think a lot of those lessons, um, let me speed this up. I'm just all over the place. But, you know, I think the the Japanese culture and the the mindfulness, the Zen, the Buddhism, the Bushido, the the Taoism, you know, I I think all these ideologies really resonated with me, especially being, you know, um, what I later was diagnosed as ADHD at the age of like 20, 21. So I think, uh, you know, it was a great activity for me to really center myself and the breath, the movement, the intensity, the discipline, the honor. And what I've really been finding is where are these uh, morals, where are these ideologies in, in modern America or maybe the rest of the world? I can't speak for the rest of the world. But obviously, we're caught up in this, you know, Instagram age and instant gratification and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think a lot of it is, yeah, we've really lost touch with with the source and ourselves and our innermost truths. And one of the big things, and I'd love, because you're speaking so much about your purpose, right? And that's something that really is scientifically validated as a very necessary part of our biological uh, you know, need is we, we need a sense of purpose. You know, that's really what, what drives our continuity as a species. And so I think a lot of people have this hedonic approach to life of let me, you know, which really means, uh, to run from discomfort, you know, run from pain and run towards pleasure, uh, rather than being here in the moment and mindful uh, in, in pursuing our purpose, which always centers around serving others. I'd love to hear you speak to whatever the hell I just said. <laughs> well, a couple thoughts that came up while you were talking about that. And of course, uh, I can only speak to my own experiences. I cannot uh, speak to the rest of the world. Uh, maybe in some instances, the places I've traveled, but you know, we are stuck in a materialistic society. And I do think it's okay to be materialistic about certain things, like like the food that you eat. I prefer to eat really high quality, local, fresh, organic food whenever possible. That makes me feel really good, and I'm fine to spend my money on that. Um, and as far as material things like clothes, like gear, I come from more of a minimalistic um, um, lifestyle, I guess. And I would rather buy very nice things that are going to last me a long time rather than just buy a bunch of shitty things, to mm-hmm. be honest. But you see with Instagram, the instant gratification, um, on my explore page, there's always this one little square that pops up that says shop. And I'm like, I don't want to see that because I do not care about trying to fill the void in my own life with going to buy shit that I do not need. Uh, but so many people are, are stuck in that mindset. I'm always amazed when I go to the gym and there's ESPN on, and then you have to wait for a commercial break where they're always trying to sell you a new car or a new gadget, whatever. 
And then the worst one are these pharmaceutical ads and mm-hmm. they make their drug look like it's so good and it's going to fix all of your problems. But you and I agree on this. It's like, well, what's the root of your, your problem? Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you eat too much. Like you're obese. You need to stop eating sugar. You're diabetic. Like let's figure that out. You don't need this medication. And ultimately you are running away from a truth that you already know in yourself, mm. but you may not have the strength to already have a process in order to, to find that, to unveil that truth. So, you know, it's a tough time that we live in and you kind of said that we need more FDN trainer types. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we just need a lot more coaches. We need a lot more people who are awakened to the fact that, Hey, my body can heal itself. I need to treat it with respect. Uh, this activity is not good for me or others. I need to abstain from that activity. I need to fulfill my purpose and not have work be my purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully, for someone like me and you, we love our work. And I hope other people love their work too. But I mean, money for just to find the end, um, a monetary goal, it's never going to satisfy you. I think we do need to do um, some sort of return to what drove us as a child. Um, those things are very, very important. And reconnecting to that path can lead to so much freedom in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some big stuff, you know, and with the kind of Instagram generation crisis thing, um, you know, we'd love to kind of jump to these labels and, you know, for the sake of simplicity for our cognitive purposes, kind of it's easier to label, you know, something is good or bad. It can't possibly be both because that rattles our, you know, sense of understanding. But like with Instagram, as an example, um, okay, well, it's a tool. It's a tool that we created and it's a platform we created. So then what do we do with it? And the thing is, Uh, you know, we have full control over our worldly experience. You know, I I always like to say that our reality is a, um, you know, reflection of the projection of our ego or or whatever it is. Uh, But we manifest our reality through the projection of our beliefs. You know, so I always like to kind of challenge people, like, if you're not happy with your reality, you need to take a look at your belief system and start asking yourself, like, why do I believe in X, Y, and Z, which also kind of gets back to the story that we tell, tell ourselves of, um, you know, you're not accomplishing a goal, but then every day you self-sabotage and tell yourself the story that you're limited in your ability to reach that goal. Um, so, you know, I think that's why I love talking about this kind of mindset stuff. And, you know, here we are two dudes personal trainers, FDN, you know, we could nerd out on all the specificities. And yet, we're not talking about this lab test or that lab test. We're not talking about this kind of exercise or that. We're talking about (laughs) what really matters and what controls it all up here. And I think, I think that's pretty powerful. I love how you take your own experiences um, and your own reflection, because we're all here to learn together. And so it's like, as you're coaching these other humans towards your goal, you're also learning all of this about yourself and able to, you know, cultivate that within. And yeah, I don't know. It's cool stuff though. So I have a question for you. What do you think about the new policy that I'm not sure if it's coming out soon or it's already out, but Instagram not showing the likes mm. on certain accounts, you know, so it's going to focus people more toward their actual content rather than an inspirational quote in an outfit. 
Yeah, man. You know, I keep hearing about that and I keep waiting for it to actually happen. Um, I haven't actually tuned in to see like when or what or what I just keep hearing about it. And, you know, I'll fully admit, because here's the thing, I'm a firm advocate of owning your shit always. Uh, and, you know, checking your ego is something you've got to start doing. Like if people checked their ego more than they checked their phone, then I think we might be on to something. Um, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll fully admit that, you know, my, my egotistical reaction is like, no, I want to see those, all those many, many likes that just give me that nice little dopamine boost when I'm wanting it and needing it. Um, but my higher self is like, yes, we need, we need to make some adjustments here. You know, if I could snap my fingers, I would say the, the, the likes that you're getting on pictures and all that. Kind of need to get away with it, which I will say, then we're just a step away from like, well, should we even show how many followers or following an account has? Like, what good is that really doing? You know, because it's, it's something I thought, <laughs> something I thought about with when, when you and I were, when we were uh, meandering around at Paleo FX, you know, trying to just, uh, find cool people to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Scouting the babes, I'll just say it. Um, you know, but something I thought about is how much we might change what we think or what we say based on that preconceived notion. Like if I'm talking to a total stranger and they're a total stranger, I'm just going to be me. Because who the hell are they? I know who I am. Who are they? Let's find out. But then when it's like, oh, gosh, this person has like 200,000 Instagram followers, all of a sudden I'm telling myself that story. I'm not worthy. Who am I to talk to them? I'm nervous. I'm afraid they're going to judge me. So yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now. Stop. I'm, I want to hear your thoughts on that same thing now. I have been stuck in that same path. Um, you know, by all accounts, I've had a pretty charmed life. Um, like things, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, just being real star yeah. athlete in school, um, you know, it, on the front page of the, the newspaper in our town every week for football or track or whatever, got really good grades, went to good school, you know, had some things happen to my family that were, were not easy, but we all overcame it. And, you know, if, first of all, if you're white in America, you have a better chance and yeah. it's. It's unfortunate for those who don't, um, and that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. It can be very toxic. I think for me, things have been a little bit easier. I have the right tools, um, but instead, I've struggled in many other ways. Um, again, with this addiction, I've definitely struggled with addiction and had to, to find the middle path, as we spoke about. Now, I've suffered from that as well. You see, this person they have. 350,000 Instagram followers, or I trained these clients in the beginning of my career and they had more money than they knew what to do with. But ultimately, Brendan, I realized, wow, we can talk one-on-one. -on -one. And when I would look at them in the eyes, I was just looking at myself. They were mm. that same person that I am with the exact same problem. And at first I was enamored with this wealth that some of my clients has, only to realize as we got closer, wow, I would never want to be them. They have way too many problems because they have not gone inside. They have not searched inside. And instead, they're clinging to this material wealth and it's causing so many problems in their relationship and their family. 
whatever. So just kind of getting back to this spiritual space and this awakening that we all have within us, I think if you actually do look someone in the eyes, not just glance at them, but truly look in their eyes, you can see what type of person they are. You can see what their goals and aspirations are. And you can relay that as a friend or as a teacher or as a mentor, you can help them out. So although, yeah, um, financial freedom is, is great. You need it. Everyone really should have some sort of financial freedom, but it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the contents of your character are the most important thing. And if you're not able to go to bed every night after looking at yourself in the mirror and being proud of yourself, then I have to say none of that stuff is worth it. Mm-hmm. So with this Instagram thing, I mean, you and I use it for our business. I would argue pretty successfully. I like it a lot with kind of the content that I create. I try and do at least six posts a week. Sometimes I don't have anything to say. And on those days, I take it off. I don't mm-hmm. need to communicate with that. Also, having a good relationship with my phone, realizing, hey, if mm-hmm. I keep responding to these messages, this other person is going to keep on responding back. I simply don't have the time. Mm-hmm. So for me, seeing those messages pop up, it's like, okay, it's almost two o'clock here. I don't have time to answer that. Maybe I'll answer it tonight when I don't have anything to do. But my self-love is not paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. It's about realizing this is my goal. And to get here, I can't be on my phone all day. So good and bad things about social media. I think if you're aware and you have presence about it, about what you're trying to portray, how it affects your business, great. But just scrolling up and down, looking at pictures of half-naked women, there's not a lot of freedom in that. You got to realize that's a lot of your ego. That's a lot of your dopamine receptors going crazy, these Mm -hmm. actions going on. And I just think it's a huge problem that we need to address. And once you stop doing stuff like that, being addicted to this little device, and you can go outside and you can see the trees and hear the birds, there's a lot more freedom in that. Mm-hmm. You know, something I, I hear you say a lot, and um, it's something I have historically always said, like, you know, when I'm talking to a client about their, uh, you know, their protocol and, you know, the specificities of exactly, you know, what they need to put in their body and blah, 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 blah. But really, um, the way I've always described it, described it, you know, it's everything in life is about relationships. You know, it's the what kind of relationship do you have with your food? So let's, you know, let's stop talking about what diet you're supposed to be following. And let's start talking about your relationship with your food. Let's stop talking about what type of exercise you should be doing to reach your goal. Let's start talking about your relationship with movement, which you've been blessed by nature um, to have the capacity for in a great capacity. I was thinking about it the other day. Um, you know, cause yeah, I'm a, I'm a little workout freak, which is, is, is always been great. Um, but it's like, can you imagine what a shame it would be to go through life and never fully see what this is capable of, you know, physically or what this is capable of, you know, intellectually and, and cognitively, um, but as you're saying, it's it's all about that relationship. What's your relationship with social media or your phone? Um, so I think if people started thinking in terms of how's my, you know, how how are my relationships in life? Because that's all we have at the end of the day. And I'm glad that you mentioned it because I could totally, if I'm being completely honest, which uh, I have a faulty nature of being very honest at times, gets me in trouble sometimes. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, you and I are, are white dudes in America. Um, logistically, it doesn't really get much better than that. So I'm glad you said it. I'm, I'm glad you said it. Now, here's the thing, though. You know, and I've alluded to this in previous podcasts, um, but I think it's worth repeating. But, you know, David Goggins always talks about how, um, you know, reality is psychological warfare that none of us have training for when we come into this world. And I always allude to that because it's, it's totally true. It's, it's totally true. No matter who you are, what part of the planet you're born into, um, it is a psychological game of survival that none of us are equipped for, you know, and our parents and our caretakers, they, they do the best they can, hopefully assuming that they like love you and stuff, you know, they do the best that they can to set you up for success. Um, and then, you know, insert all of the childhood traumas of failure and abandonment, blah, 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 blah. So someday you're kind of spat out into the world as a, what, 16, 18, you know, year old adult, whatever it is when you walk into the world on your own. And then it's just like, where, where, where am I? What, what is any of this? Holy shit. Like, and who am I, you know? And so it all centers from how's your relationship with yourself? Do you even know who you are? You know, um, we're never taught this. We're never taught like look inwards, find what you're passionate about. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a total cluster, but I think one thing that is good about social media is we're connected to anybody in the world anytime 24 7 and so what i've been seeing with that is kind of this new uh movement uh and really kind of a spiritual awakening i think we're all drifting as a society so far from our natural roots uh and everybody's craving something that feels real in this you know kind of very fake uh empire that we've built around ourselves and so I think people are craving that, like get back to the authentic nature. Um, and I do feel like I'm seeing an increasing movement and, Hey guys, like let's raise the collective consciousness and you know, all this stuff. But I look at it as a good thing. Um, and then of course you get the spin off goofy stuff. That's just human ego at play. But ultimately, I mean, we're, we're getting there. I couldn't agree more. I do think that we're getting there. I think uh, our current political situation and, and what's going on and the fact that there still is a lot of this fundamentalism and racism going on. Um, people want change. And I think it's gotten to this critical mass, mass where enough people want change that things are going to start happening. And with this collective consciousness of of growing and finding something deeper and you know, I'm a big fan of um, this group called The Minimalists, and they have mm-hmm. a podcast and documentary and several books. And not everyone needs to be a minimalist, but really this message is about finding the important things in life and recognizing that, you know, buying a new Lexus every year is not going to bring you any happiness. You may think these things will cultivate joy, but ultimately they will not. And again, I, I always go back to this this idea that I just mentioned about looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing your eyes and being able to say, John, you did a good job today. You are free to have restful sleep. That is so important Mm. to me that I just, I see a lot of things and this has changed over time. I, I see a lot of energy flow, some give and take between myself and other relationships and kind of this idea of a gut feeling and trusting your intuition in me that has grown so much that 
I really don't have an, any other choice than mm-hmm. to help people in what I've experienced and, and kind of open them up to this idea. And back on that social media um, thought that we were talking about, even though I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition pra- practitioner and a CSDS, whatever, whatever these qualifications, I like to bring people into my page, whether it's through, you know, shirtless pics or cool exercises, it doesn't matter. Because if they're reading the caption, they're seeing something that is a truth in my life, something that I've experienced. My Instagram is an entire blog. It's a mm-hmm. big diary of everything that I go through and all of the things that I've messed up on in my mm-hmm. life. And sharing this with people like, look, this is the problem. This is what I used to do. This is what I now do. And now I experience freedom. So social media can be great. And like you said, we're connected 24-7. I have met such good friends off of social media, including you. Mm-hmm. And people who I was traveling to their city, we were friends on social media for a few years. And guess what? You hit it off within one minute. You're automatically yeah. best friends. So for that, it is fantastic. But we have to be so mindful mm-hmm. of, again, the materialism. This idea of all these people having a perfect body and no one sees the photoshopping that's going into that stuff. It's not real. And once we experience something real, we can look someone in the eyes, we can share an experience with them, share food, anything like that. It is just the most gratifying feeling that you could ever experience. And I encourage everyone to get real with themselves Mm -hmm. because if you don't, you're going to try later on, and it may be too hard for you. If you don't remember that you need to live right now, the only time that you can live is right now, then you will never have that freedom, which you desire. And that's a really scary thing because it's all within our power. But we need to recognize the fact that it is our power to do so. Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, it's sharing the journey. And I know, again, it's, it's cool. It's interesting. You know, you and I have very, uh, so many similarities and, but also totally like, you know, you, it's not like if you followed both of us, it's like, oh, I'm already getting all of this stuff from this guy. I don't need to follow. No, it's totally different, you know, cause we are two different souls walking two different paths that just happen to run parallel. But I, I definitely see you doing some of the same stuff I do. And like, I love to have fun with, um, you know, playing the game of social media um, while making fun of it at the same time and trying to mm-hmm. wake people up to the game that it is. Like, I'll literally post like, okay, here's a pretty picture of Brennan working out. Look how big his arms are. But then I make fun of it in the caption. I'm like, would you have actually looked at this post otherwise? Because believe me, I mean, I, I see it. I post like what I think is the coolest science post ever and it's life-changing <laughs> scientific information you know, nobody cares, man. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, like, Oh, pretty picture, you know, sign me up. But you do, you have to, you know, it's like, you, you got to play the game, you know, but then ultimately you are delivering a meaningful, powerful um, lesson behind that. And as you said, like, all we, and this is all stuff that we know. That's, that's the thing. We all know this stuff. I'm amazed every time I talk to somebody new, humans are so smart. People are so intelligent. They have such infinite capacity for knowledge and wisdom and depth. I think the problem is people don't use it or cultivate it. 
uh, and they allow themselves to succumb to the the primordial mechanisms that just trap them. I mean, think about how much marketing, how much money goes into the marketing strategies, even just at your simple grocery store. Oh, it's got to be eye height. It's got to be this color because that really triggers this mechanism in the brain that draws you in. And we just fall prey to that left and right. You know, it's it's really kind of disturbing. Oh, man. So we could spin into a thousand directions with this conversation. We kind of have been um, a little bit all over, which I love. Um, <laughs> gosh, there was Me something... Too. Something I was going to say there. Well, let's okay. So for for the audience, the future audience, that's like, what the hell are these guys talking about, man? So let's um, we'll do a little bit of a gear shift. Um, of like, all right, we'll cover some some pillars here. I want to like, we could even get some action steps going. Of like, all right, we've got functional fitness, uh, medicine, nutrition, etc. So one thing I want to hear your perspective on, because I know my answer, but nutrition, right? Everybody is looking for that diet. And we've already, I think, hashed out for a good 50 minutes now that it's not just, you know, your your food or your movement. It's all up here in, in that heart thing, that heart pump. But with nutrition, if somebody says, John, I need a diet. I need a diet that makes me super sexy. What diet should I do, John? How would you answer that? <laughs> yeah, so super good question. I was hoping we talked about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, nutrition, as you know, can be so incredibly personalized. Um, I was talking to our mutual friend and one of the FDN leaders, Jen Maleka, this morning about this culture of bodybuilding. And you're a bodybuilder, looking amazing, my bro. You do hey, great thanks, with it. But what I like most about you is of your philosophy behind that um, with nutrition so many people do if it fits your macros and you know maybe it's a helpful place for certain people to start but typically with these kind of proto bodybuilder like uh, fitness show people what they're doing instead is they're trying to do these hacks they're trying mm-hmm. to have these zero calorie sweeteners they're trying to eat fat-free cheese etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like well dude, don't you realize cheese is fat like you're not getting any of the vitamins and minerals if you don't have any fat in there so I don't really like that because it's this approach of X equals Y, my intake equals my output. And I'm like, that's not really what food is. Um, and, you know, kind of going back to this woo stuff that we're talking about and this energy, food is energy. And if you're eating something that is totally processed, that is dead food. It is mm. not a live food. When you're eating a bunch of greens and like a really good salad or some cooked veggies, you're like, these things are actually alive and they are filling me with vitality. It's hard for a lot of people to realize that because you have to go so deep inside yourself to, to figure out, man, like I am an energetic being. This mm-hmm. is energy that I need from the earth to sustain me. So I guess an easy answer to that question is I'm a big fan of a paleo template. It doesn't need to be called paleo. We don't need to put containers around it, but eating whole, real, unprocessed foods is the way to go. I think um, most people can agree with that. I generally shift people in the beginning, especially if they are trying to lose some body fat toward a lower carbohydrate diet. And those things can be shifted around after a course of about 30 days. I like to see people be pretty strict for a period of about 30 days. And last week, I just saw my good friend, Melissa Hartwig, um, the Whole30 Mastermind up in Salt Lake City. And I've always been very proud of her program because 
you know, love it or hate it, you're getting someone to do an elimination diet, which mm-hmm. most people need. People mm-hmm. do not realize how much they react to certain foods. Um, you know, you give a lot of people a diet and they're like, oh, but I have to, I have to keep my cheese or I have to keep my diet Coke. And you got to ask them, well, is your goal to lose body fat or is it to drink diet Coke? It's like, right. you gotta get, you gotta get your shit together. So I do like elimination diets. You know, a lot of people that we deal with in FDN, um, they may, may need something like an autoimmune protocol. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me, um, I have to kind of stick in that realm. Otherwise my gut is just not happy. So the answer is whole unprocessed foods. I'm a fan of meat, but the meat has to have lived a good life. And mm. yes, we have to kill animals. Um, and I don't know if there's a justification around that. I know that eating animals makes me feel really, really good. It makes me feel full of life. My justification in myself is that these animals have to live a good life and their energy is passing on to me. So I'm not going to waste that food. I'm going to use that energy that they provide and I'm going to go out into the world and do my best to make the world a better place. So yeah, I would say something like a, a paleo nutrition plan. Um, and obviously you and I would do a lot of testing to see what would be ideal for an individual. And we would go from there. Mm-hmm. I love hearing all that. Um, you know, maybe that was me looking to a, a dear brother for confirmation bias. I'll call myself out on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, I've got to say, I have, I have so much fun checking my own ego. It's become such a regular part of my spiritual practice of like, oh, there's that BV ego. I see you. Like, calm down there, little fella. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, with the nutrition thing, my God, have we overcomplicated it. And again, cool. this is where I'm just, I'm just going to say it and people can get mad at me later when I post this episode. Um, but with all the, again, notion of control, the, the perceived notion of control, which is not the same thing as a literal uh, ability of control, but, oh, well, I'm just going to count my macros. I'm going to, you know, eat this, not that. I'm going to, um, you know, keto, carnivore, vegan, you know, fill in the blank. We could literally go all day about this. Um, and as you said, though, earlier with working out twice a day and, and spending, is that really necessary? What are you avoiding actually dealing with through all this very trivial bullshit? Because, um, <laughs> you know, and one thing, though, and here's here's the thing. Um, I'm being a little facetious. I'll call myself out on it because uh, you got to have fun with it. But. I think, you know, you and I, we do have to give ourselves credit of we have been intensely pursuing our paths for a long time. There's, you know, and and that is something that maybe doesn't get enough perspective. It's like, okay, well, you do realize, uh, you know, um, gosh, I had somebody, you know, say something the other day, you know, Brendan, you've been working out. And it's just like, um, I mean, only six days a week, every week for the past, uh, you know, like 20 years of my life. So I'm glad that it shows, you know, but thank you. But with uh, nutrition, getting back on track with my squirrel moments, um, all this hyper control, let's make it more complicated. Uh, how many ways can we play around with our macros and, you know, this and that? And, oh, well, if we, we only have three macros, let's eliminate all the fat. Well, we tried that. That didn't work. Okay, well, now let's do all fat and zero carbs. Okay, well, that's what everybody's doing right now. How is that working out? 
Um, and I just always shake my head and it's like, how about we just eat organic plants and animals? I used to say, why don't we just eat real food? But I found that wasn't specific enough and people got confused. Yeah. So then uh, now I like to say, let's eat organic plants and animals. And um, yeah, like, you know, Whole30 as an example, I, I don't ever like referring to diets even, you know, pay, I don't even use the word paleo because people ask me all the time, Brennan, what do you eat? And I'm like, real plants and animals, what do you eat? <laughs> like I eat the food that our species has evolved off for the past 200,000 years. What are, what are you putting in your gas tank? <laughs> but whole 30 drink, though. Yeah. Pure it, ketones, bro. Just drink ketones all day long. Oh, totally. Know. Yeah. I, I just drink, uh, I, I won't name any brands because I found big businesses don't like being mentioned by name apparently, but you know, yeah, let me just drink ketones all day and I'm sure um, I'll never have to eat. You know, I have a book above me that's like about frugivore, you know, just eat pure fruit, which from a anatomical physiological, there is a little bit of an argument of like, okay, our closest genetic relatives are the, you know, gorilla and the bonobo, which is type of ape you know, like 98, 99 point something percent identical DNA genetics. And yet, okay, who's on which side of the glass when you go to the zoo? Um, so the, the frugivore, you know, because these monkeys, uh, they are frugivores. You know, they anatomically are best equipped to digest and absorb nutrient from fruit some vegetation absolutely they eat a lot of vegetation at the end of the day a species is going to eat whatever the hell they can get their hands on for the sake of continuity and survival um but you know gorillas and apes they really like fruit however i did some homework on this in case you can't tell um but there are some that hypothesize it was when our species started eating meat which is obviously more calorically dense. So think about this. You've got this, you know, what, 700-pound gorilla sitting there, um, and they're eating all day, every day. Think about how many pounds of plant food that gorilla has to eat to sustain life. You know, what's, what's the basal metabolic rate of an 800-pound jacked gorilla? It's got to be pretty damn high. To get all that from plant food, you, you've got to eat constantly, constantly. And then that means there has to be ample food in the environment for you to survive, let alone thrive and then reproduce, let alone then have the energy to evolve over the course of Darwinism over many, many years. So my long-winded point being... The idea is when we started eating calorically dense meat, that is essentially what unlocked our capability to evolve and develop higher cognitive cerebral function. Um, and of course, now then people take it to the extreme of, okay, carnivore. You were, we were supposed to eat only meat, carnivore. What a conundrum, John Parker. It truly is. And this stuff... It, it baffles me when I study it. And I try and be open with this stuff because, again, if I don't like dogmatism, I can't be dogmatic towards right. other beliefs. The fruit thing is a super interesting one to me because, hey, fruit tastes delicious. It's number amazing. one. 
if you don't eat a bunch of sugar in your diet, you have a nice juicy orange or something. It is the best thing ever. And yes. for me, that's like the only cheat I need. Right. But it, it doesn't make sense in a lot of other ways. I mean, when I eat red meat, I honestly feel the absolute best. I just feel yes. mentally clear. I feel a lot of energy. My muscles get bigger. My energy super strong. So I know that it's serving me. Um, I was going to ask you, though, you know, I haven't kept up necessarily with the evolution of the human species. And I know there are all these alternate theories about why this happened. But one that I remember from high school, maybe even college, was you talk about this meat. When you get a taste for meat um, and you have this energy, uh, humans are more likely they start to develop more teamwork to take down these bigger animals. Mm -hmm. And from doing so, you have this cooperation with a group. So you already have this tribe that's living together. And then this cooperation, which mm -hmm. like it would help the brain evolve even more. And then you introduce something like weapons. Uh, we already know from our, our relatives, the apes, that we have these really nice shoulders, which are great at brachiation. So brachiation is just holding on to something or swinging from a vine or swinging from a branch. These shoulders are also really good for throwing. They're really good for throwing spears. Or have you ever seen someone throw a baseball like a professional pitcher? It's like, whoa, that's a fully yeah. full body integrated movement with a lot of width coming from the shoulder to get this baseball going 100 miles per hour. Totally. So something went on there. It makes a lot of sense to me that, okay, I mean, this teamwork probably led to brain gain. And then you have these calories that you're not constantly walking around all day long, chewing on fiber, finding fruit, et cetera, et cetera, you have more time for this evolution. And then one more point that I always thought was super cool is that, you know, it's been said that humans are born to run. And there was that book by, uh, I forget, something McDougal. I read that book. I don't necessarily like his authorship, but I read the book and talking about this long distance running that we're really good at. Um, what I've more recently heard is, you know, we have this giant Achilles tendon and humans have really big glutes. Obviously, we're bipedal, so we stand straight up. We're capable of generating a lot of force from our legs, which mm -hmm. is great if we want to sprint. Um, this idea of persistence hunting has always been super, super interesting. So maybe you injure an animal, but the animal doesn't die out. Maybe it, you know, runs an additional two miles. But as humans, we don't have fur on our skin. Instead, that we sweat through our pores. So we can last a lot longer in pursuit this two hours to get this downed animal who eventually is going to die of exhaustion or it's going to be on the ground of exhaustion. And that's when we come up and kill it. And then we skin it, we get the meat, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not exactly sure what happened two or 300,000 years ago. Uh, it's very, very interesting. I don't know if we'll ever find the answer mm -hmm. during our lifetime, but I do know that there are a lot of ways that we can optimize our nutrition, uh, but it takes a lot of work. If you told me to eat a certain way, I might try it and it may not work for me at all. So it's really our responsibility as people to experiment with that stuff. But try and go to a good coach first because they're going to lead you down a better path than, you know, just eating raw fruit or just eating things that fell from a tree. Um, it's all about experimentation. So mm -hmm. some random thoughts on that. No, I, I love it. Now we're getting into some now we're getting into the weeds and, and stuff of just uh <laughs> But this is good, though, and um, I always here's the thing. Everybody that knows me knows I'm a huge science nerd. You know, I I own that. I love it. It's very cool. But the thing is, you know, it's 
I'm not, I'm not a Petri dish scientist. You know, I don't, I don't like studying things, um, you know, to the super in-depth level in an isolated, it's always, well, let me study it to the most in-depth level possible in order to apply it to common sense, to our past and looking at evolution. Because uh, when you start looking at some of these functions and things about the body and health and all of that, well, when you look at where we came from, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and also kind of this idea of like, uh, we're still evolving, you know, every day that goes by is another opportunity for kind of Darwinism and, and evolution to uh, kind of propel us forward. And I wouldn't say that the human species has like the best looking current trajectory. Um, I think we've gone a little askew, a little awry with uh, our current path. And right now we're all kind of, you know, the buffalo stampeding towards the edge of the cliff. And it's like, ooh, we might want to make a little bit of a course correction here. But even still, like all the, for example, something that really fires me up is the environmental toxicants. You know, the, the millions of pounds uh, of environmental uh, of chemicals that we're just dumping into the environment, you know, don't get me started on glyphosate and blah, 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 blah. For sure. Talk about all the, all, all that all day. And the problem is we're killing the planet and ourselves faster than we can evolve. You know, evolution takes a long time. Like whatever works will continue whatever doesn't. And that's, people need to simplify it instead of thinking about, uh, well, how did we evolve to be able to digest? And it's like, uh, simplify it. If it works, it will continue. If it doesn't work, it's not going to continue. And so like with the environmental toxicants, okay, all these plants, uh, well, more so the animals, I would say. Plants, I don't know, plants can do stuff that obviously animals can't. Um, but animals are dying off very rapidly. There was that study by the world, the, the living planet report basically showing we've, we've killed off or we've eradicated like 48% of biodiversity since 1970, AKA like within the past 40 years, we've killed off half of everything that lives on the planet. How, how is that possible? But then you think about, okay. Well, in the past 40 years, look at the rapid uh, manifestation of all these chemicals that never previously existed and how much of this shit we're dumping into our food and the environment left and right. And the problem, you know, these animals, they can't filter, you know, their water the way that we can. They, they can't buy, oh, I'm going to buy organic when I'm hunting and gathering. doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> So it's up to their organs to filter this shit that we created. And they don't have the, the detoxification mechanisms and systems and biochemistry to be able to handle it. And so they're all dying. Um, now, certainly there's something to be said for, well, we've created a new stimuli, you know, specific adaptation to imposed demand. So theoretically, if we don't kill ourselves, our body's detoxification systems are probably going to be way more robust, you know, a thousand to 100,000 years from now, assuming we don't kill ourselves off. But anyways, you kind of see where I'm getting with this. And I love, I guess the, the thought process that we're both kind of getting at is let's look at what's natural. 
And, and we've drifted so far from that, like literally, and then I'll shut up, I swear. But the other night when I was watching that last samurai, I immediately, I was just so into such a thing for me. So then I'm, you know, Googling samurai, which by the way, the word samurai means to serve. I forgot about that until I watched the movie and I, you know, had to whip myself a few times for forgetting, but it means to serve, you know, talk about what's your purpose to serve, you know, grace, most involved. So it's like, I found my purpose. I want to help other people find their purpose. Um, Oh, but anyways, Samurai. Okay, so then this picture pops up. It was like Wikipedia, you know, a real picture of a dude in Samurai armor uh, dated 1860. Uh Hang on a second. You're telling me that less than 200 years ago, people still dressed up in armor and carried swords. And now we're recording a podcast from hundreds of miles away. Um, (laughs) So my, my weird point being, look at how much, uh, life for the human species has changed in the past 20 years, 40, 50, you know, 1820s to 1920s. Like, okay. If we're thinking Japan, we can think like samurai walking around with swords in the 1920s. That's great depression era, you know, um, or the pyramids to 1820s. Okay. Pyramids. Civil War, eh, times are different. But then you look at just 1920 depression to 2020, it's unrecognizable. What the hell just happened? This is what happened. Chemical manufacturing is what happened. That's why none of us know which way is up. So I'm with you, bro. It can be kind of scary when you think about that. When you said the 1860 to 1920 and Great Depression and you know, the start of the automobile, I think that was actually in the 1800s, but obviously with this mass production after the um, Industrial Revolution, things started getting a little bit weird. Um, one thing I thought about, though, is, you know, there'd be so many people who argue about organic versus non-organic, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I can't see this argument for non-organic. Yes, I know we have to feed a lot of people, but why would you want a chemical in your body that's not supposed to be there? In my perspective, I'm trying to do as best as I can to avoid certain things that I know could be bad for my endocrine system, my lungs, whatever, because I know every time I go out driving, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be ingesting some sort of fumes from the car in front of me. And we, we can't really avoid that. But what we can do are things like the infrared sauna. We can take binders. Uh, we can eat organic food just to try and limit all that stuff coming into the body. I wish people have more of an understanding about that stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a little bit scary because you realize all the stuff that's happening with us, but you were talking about just a return to natural living. Mm-hmm. And we all have to find some sort of balance with that because most of us live in cities. I'm more in the suburbs right now, surrounded by a bunch of trees, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But as you've seen on my social media, I am always taking hikes. And I've never really been able to pinpoint what the number one reason I do that for is, but I'm starting to think now because it grounds me. Mm-hmm. There's no Wi-Fi out on the trails. There's no noise uh, or light pollution out on the trails. It's just you listening to your own thoughts and the sound of your breath. And for whatever reason, maybe it was instilled by evolution, but that's really powerful for us to be doing mm-hmm. something where we're isolated, we're working hard. Uh, one of my buddies and I have always talked about we learn the most from ourselves through suffering. And mm-hmm. we mean physical suffering, climbing mountains, 
realizing, oh man, I got to the top. I'm awesome. But then also saying, oh man, now I'm just halfway done. So I have to get to the bottom of the mountain mm-hmm. with my car, whatever. So I think a return to natural living needs to happen. And I think there are good people out there promoting such things and, and camping and enjoying the national parks, which by the way, belong to all of us. If you pay taxes, the national parks are yours. And I encourage you to go explore them. They are a small fee, but it's well worth it. Uh, anyway, just some thoughts on that, Brendan. But I would be remiss if I did not ask you what your functional movement practice is like and how you structure your workouts. Because I know you're an absolute beast. You've got the good body for deadlifting and can pull, I don't know, 600 pounds. So I know everyone's dying to know what your workout is like. <laughs> Yeah, you know that I think that that will be we'll uh we'll get onto a little bit of a fitness tangent and then we'll probably wrap it up so I don't take your whole day but um yeah the a, a return to what's natural I think we can kind of I'll have to title this episode like you know two holistic bros ramble about spiritual life and shit I think that might be the title <laughs> <laughs> that might have to be it but you're you're exactly right and that's again where um I believe me I'm I'm a pretty cerebral dude I like getting into you know these kind of mind bending conversations and stuff but ultimately like it doesn't need to be that complicated which is something that um I hope people kind of hear and latch on to of the simplicity let's look within the mindfulness let's be here right now uh understanding ourselves connecting with the the natural world and i do to to that point and then i'll answer your question more directly but i do think with time and i won't go on the tangent but i do think you know 50 years from now we might find ourselves where our society and always starts from the top you know it's you know the trendsetters and then it kind of waters its way down that's just the way it all it all works i do think it's and we're already seeing it, though. We're already seeing it with like the holistic movement. Um, you know, I think holistic health and, and functional medicine and fitness, um, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, is kind of a luxury. Uh, if we're being honest, and you know, we don't we can talk about that all day. Um, but it's a return to natural, and I a return to nature. And I think what we will start seeing more and more in the coming years and coming decades is this kind of hybrid where um, we are living a more natural lifestyle, but it's interwoven with technological advances. You know, we're not going to get rid of technology. Um, but are we always going to confine ourselves in, in, uh, cause right now we're trapped and we're suffocating in our pseudo, uh, world that we've built around us quite literally. And I think we are going to make a shift. But anyways, fitness though. Yeah, let's talk about fitness so that way the the people know how to work out after they listen to us blabber. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm excited to hear yours as well. Um, I actually so to the audience, I just sent JP a, a message the other day, and I was like, "Yo, bro, I wish you could train me." You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> you know, but really, like the idea of man, like to have the full trust and ability to kind of surrender which is a theme for me, you know, surrender control of my exercise regimen and know like my homies got me. So if I'm, I I just, I just want to be a savage over here. I don't want to think about it. I just want to 
tell me what to do coach. And I'm going to savage that shit up. Um, Hell yeah. And then like, Hey, three weeks in, Hey bro, my delts are disappearing. Can we, okay, cool. And we're good. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're good to go. Um, but yeah, I currently, you know, um, the holistic savage workout routine, you know, is, is really a hybrid thing. I could go on and on and on. And that's where people have to realize it's a manifestation of many, many, many years of trial and error and experimentation. But ultimately right now, these days, it's kind of one of those, I work out the days I feel like working out, which is usually six days a week. But Hey, if I wake up, I'm not feeling it. I'm not going to do it. Um, but really it's a combination of a lot of nature walks, uh, some yoga, usually once or twice a week. Uh, I love running never more than three miles, never less. It's always three miles as fast as I can. Um, I've got this kind of four day antagonistic, um, hypertrophy slash powerlifting slash functional bodybuilding kind of workouts. Those are my strength workouts. Um, mm -hmm. I work out one day a week with a trainer and literally I told him, I was like, Hey man, I want you to make me hurt, make me suffer. I want it to be functional bodybuilding kind of shit. Let's do it. Um, nice. and that's, yeah, that's kind of my current, it, it never looks exactly the same week to week, but it's a lot of the same stuff yeah. on a weekly basis. Yeah. I got you. And I can deadlift. Uh, my 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 current highest max ever was six fifty. That's my ego speaking. Oh, yeah, six fifty is the most I've ever pulled. However, I'm not really a one rep max kind of guy. So honestly, I, I'm more impressed by myself by being able to pull uh, five forty five for a set of four rather than six fifty for that one. You know? Yeah, for sure. Just yeah, gonna I, I throw mean, it out there. As far as applicability, I think like that three RM or two RM is probably more important. Like how many times can you do it? Right. I grew up, you know, playing football and we always lifted. So it was always about that one RM, you know, right around the time that I realized how bad my HPA axis dysfunction was. Oh, yeah. I was just trying to deadlift as much as I could. I've always been, I'm like, a pretty medium guy. I'm not huge, but I've always been super strong. So I think it was 2017. I got my max dead. It was triple body weight mm -hmm. and 500 pounds, 500 pounds. Exactly. So at that moment, I was like, I'm probably strong enough to do whatever I want to do. Um, right. I've always, yeah, I don't need to be much stronger than triple <laughs> body weight deadlift and right. you know, double body weight back squat or whatever. Those markers can be important. They can be a lot of fun, but I never do that stuff with my clients unless they're specifically training for powerlifting or Olympic lifting or, or whatever. But um, I like your approach, bro. I, I think it's good. I think that integration of the mind and body that we've been talking about this entire conversation, um, although for some it can be great to, to follow an exercise program to reach specific goals, I personally have never really followed a program. I kind of do the same things over and over again, maybe with some variety here and there, but I basically go off of how my body feels. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I'll probably lift, you know, heavier than most three times per week uh, with the same goals. I want to maintain my strength. So that's usually with some form of powerlifting, back squats, deadlifts. Um, I usually do more pressing movements with kettlebells or dumbbells just to spare my shoulders a little bit. Uh, so definitely the powerlifting for strength maintenance. And I do a lot of actual power work, um, not power lifting, which is usually it's more of slow strength, but very high load, high tension. So in place, I'll do plyometric exercises from my track and field days. I'll do a lot of single leg work. 
Um, one of my big focuses over the past year, I really, really dig this, is I do a very controlled eccentric motion on whatever exercise I'm doing. So let's just say it's a Bulgarian split squat. I'm really settling into that bottom position, keeping a lot of tension. So I get a lot of that active mobility. So my brain can learn new mm -hmm. range of motion. But on the way up, on the concentric, I do it very fast. So going slow on the way down and going as fast as I can under control on the way up. And I've found for me, I've always been like a really springy guy, super fast sprinter, fast at, or uh, really good at long jumping and high jumping. That helps for me to maintain a lot of power. And do I need power? I mean, I'm not playing a lot of sports, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I like to jump. I like to have fun with little kids. So that's always really good. Uh, big fan of kettlebells. You know me, I like my, my club work too. That's a lot of good variety. That's not super hard on the body. Um, lots of mountain biking because it's summertime. I try and do cardio, like real cardio, maybe for an hour at a time, uh, two to three times a week. And I mostly do that because I love the way it makes my body feel. It helps to control the body composition, burn a lot of body fat. But really, I, I commit myself to doing cardio for my brain health. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've suffered from some depression in the past, and that is just one of the easiest ways. The entire time you're like, I don't want to fucking do this. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And you get done with like your hour long trail run or your mountain bike, and it's so epic, and you have these endorphins. And man, talk about being high. There's no drug that's better than that runner's high feeling. So lots of cardio. Uh, I do a lot of mobility work. Uh, usually my warm up is 10 to 15 minutes, a lot of mobility work, making sure that. I'm keeping the joints nice and lubed up, staying healthy. I'm actually a big fan of stretching too. There are a million modalities out there where you're stretching slow, you're doing this mobility work. I like some good old fashioned controlled static stretching at the end of my workout. And again, right before bed because mm. it gets the blood flowing. And man, your sleep latency, or sleep latency is like one minute. You get in bed and you're like, ah, oh, so relaxed and fall asleep. So I'm kind of like you. I do the cardio. I focus more on low-intensity cardiovascular exercise um, rather than the high-intensity. The high-intensity stuff is all the strength and power work, but I'm not getting on, you know, one of these classes that promises hit training. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this before. The reason I'm not a fan is, first of all, I don't think people are strong enough to go at high intensities. And I personally am not willing to wait four days for my body to recover before I train again. I don't need that. My diet's super good. So body comp is already really good. I have low body fat. So the low intensity stuff, less wear and tear on the body. Mm -hmm. And I think it's better for most people. So that's kind of what my exercise is about. Yeah. Train smart, not harder. How are you doing on time before I ask you another question? Um, probably got about 10 more minutes. Does that work? Yeah, we can, we can, we can make do with 10 minutes. So I think again with, you know, exercise, people just overcomplicate it and overthink it. And it's always one of those like, well, uh, do get moving, do what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to keep doing it, which is kind of a problem. And this is something that you pretty much need to do, uh, kind of every day for, you know, the rest of your time on earth. Um, unless you'd rather wheel around in like an automated scooter, which is probably not ideal. Um, but yeah, you know, people, uh, get really, so if somebody were to come up to you and be like, Hey bro, I need to start moving. I need to start exercising. How do you know? Cause there's so many, like literally I've been wearing a CrossFit shirt, my $1,000 CrossFit shirt from CrossFit HQ. When I went through their, uh, you know, level one coach thingy 
but there's so many options. And, and again, you know, how is the average bear supposed to know what the hell they're supposed to do? So how would you advise somebody like that? Well, I would tell them to start walking first. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of walking. It's highly underrated, especially if you live in a place with hills. Go walk. I mean, even if you're just on concrete, you're getting a lot of good hip extension. You're moving your body, promoting blood flow. Uh, so I'm a big fan of doing that. I actually had one client who I walked with him through his neighborhood for the course of probably a year or two, and he lost 70 pounds just doing that. Now, I am a strength coach. I think that the biggest bang for your buck as far as healthy aging, being strong, being flexible, lowest hanging fruit is strength training. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the stuff that you and I do. It can include some corrective work or functional bodybuilding. Big fan of functional bodybuilding. It's not just about the aesthetics. It's about getting the length in the muscle tissue. It's about tendon strength. It's about bone strength. So, you know, there are a lot of online resources. I think a lot of people uh, need their hand held in the beginning. So I would encourage them to find a really good personal trainer. And they don't have to be, you know, an older trainer with 10 years experience. It can be someone who's very enthusiastic and younger, but knows the ins and outs of, of training and what it means to be able to resist rotation, anti-rotation exercises, hinging, squatting, pulling, pushing, the very basic human movement. Um, that's going to be enough for most people. And if you could do that twice a week, I think that would be the minimum. But if you want to actually get somewhere, three times a week would be fantastic with a lot of walking. And then I always encourage people like, yeah, you're going to get big muscles if you lift weights. But I'm telling you, if you just focus on nutrition and dial that in, you're not going to need all the stuff that you think you need. Mm-hmm. I love that. Simple, effective. Uh, everybody's looking for that, you know, quick fix, the instant gratification. And even though we all know that doesn't exist and yet people keep reaching for it. It's interesting. <laughs> Man, yeah, I tell you what, I I really could keep going and going. We could talk all day and I'll be uh coming out to San Diego, obviously. Definitely in November. It'd be cool to come out sooner if I can swing it. But anytime, um, bro. Sounds like I'm crashing on your couch in November. That's what I heard. <laughs> yes, you are, man. I can't wait for you to be here. I'm gonna show you all the good spots. Yeah, man. Well, you know, we, we'll we'll have to do like an episode two or something. Like, oh, now that now these fools are in the same room, y'all don't even know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, this has been really good, man. I'll let you. Uh, you know, I know you've got some clients. Oh, you know, I I do want to. I'm going to say this, and then I'll let you go. So okay. I saw your your uh, post. Um, you know, a, a woman had been um, stung by a jellyfish or or a stingray or something not good, and you know, is in a lot of pain and bleeding. Um, and then JP on the scene, you know, I picture Dwayne Johnson in, uh, in the, the beach watch movie or whatever, um, you know, you know, storming over there. But then, so, um, I read your post. It was really, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious, but it was really a super beautiful post. Um, you know, and she's like, they, they ask you what you do and you tell her that you're a trainer and they ask you, well, what are you training for? And you say, this. That was some powerful stuff, man. Yeah, so I I knew I had to relay that story. And I've been a writer since I was young. I was a history major, so a lot of writing. I've always really enjoyed it. And I wanted to make it flowery to capture people's attention. 
And if they read it, maybe they'll actually get the message. Right. The post wasn't supposed to be like, look at me. I'm so great. I'm so strong. It's no. like, no, I, I know I'm fucking useful because I'm super strong. I can carry shit. One of my clients last week asked me, she's like, oh, will you and this guy help me carry this chair? I'm like, no, but I'll carry it. So I did it for, it takes no time. And I mean, if you have any sort of gifts, whether it's art, whether it's writing, whether it's physical strength, we owe it to each other to help each other out. Yeah. That was so easy to carry that girl. And she wanted to give me like a reward or a gift. I'm like, you don't owe me anything. I like to think if I were in trouble, you would help me too. So God, it's, it's so easy to make the world a better place. Yeah. Why don't we just do it? Oof. That wasn't even that wasn't even planned or scripted or prompted, but that's literally like the best way to end the show because I couldn't agree more. I really do think, I think, amongst all the the self love um, stuff that's floating around, which is great, we absolutely need to learn how to love ourselves unconditionally in order to learn how to love everybody else unconditionally, um, and it starts here with the self. However, um, I think I see it going too far where people are getting very preoccupied and it's all about me, 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 me. And if I don't do my two hour morning routine where I, you know, and all my self care before I begin my day and start, you know, looking to serve others, I can't possibly function. It's like, yeah, hang on, guys. We're, I think we're skewing this a little bit. Um, but exactly as you said, I think we really owe it to ourselves and others to share the amazing gifts that we all inherently have, you know, and it's not that hard to make the world a better place. And I think if we really took the time to look inwards and cultivate our gifts and share that with the world, um, you know, we can. And so that's kind of the whole thing of like, well, why do you, why do you do all these things? And it's like, because because I can and it's the right thing to do the right thing to do my bro so much gratitude for being on here with you yeah, and man. I always look forward to our time together you are an enlightening soul and I'm happy to have you in my life back at you bro really and we'll we'll have to do episode two one of these days and hopefully people can get something um, good out of this conversation, but such an honor, my man. Go change some good lives, do your thing, work your magic, share it. We'll talk soon, man. All right. Talk to you soon, bro. All right. See ya. All right. Bye.